Hello, welcome to Pod Rocket. I'm Kate, the producer of Pod Rocket. With me hosting today is Paul. Hello, Paul. How's it going? Good. Thank you, Kate. Thanks for joining us again. Um, we've heard your voice a lot this month. Uh, very exciting to have you on. And our guest today is Angela Gilhotra. Hi, Angela. How's it going? Hey, I'm good. Thanks for joining us today. Um, Angela is a Web3 developer. And um, yeah, we're here to talk about Web3 stuff. And Kernel. And Kernel. <laughs> Before we hopped on the podcast, uh, so it's Kernel with an A-L. It was, we were asking if it's Kernel or Kernel. So it's Kernel, <laughs> it's, it's, just like we all know. Yeah, it's Kernel with an E-L, <laughs> to be specific. Oh, it's with an E-L. My, yeah, my yeah. mistake. Okay, I thought it was with an A-L. <laughs> I know, probably. I would love to get right into Kernel and talk about like what it is and... Yeah, uh, okay. Angela. I went I went to the website, you know, and went to go check it out. So it's a learning platform, right? And uh, yeah. you can sign up and get uh, the whole mission statement is to really get your hands on and to really understand the core concepts, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So can you uh, go into that a little bit? Yeah, it's, it's like... Um, a mix of, uh, I mean, if you ever want to get into the philosophical side of Web3, I would say that Kernel is the best place to be for that. It's also like the initiative was uh, started because we saw like a lot of people uh, starting to get into the Web3 space. And with so many options out there, it gets very difficult to, you know, forge your own path and see what suits you. There are so many industries inside of Web3. It's not just one Web3. So there is creator economies, there's DeFi, there's NFTs and all of it. So like Kernel was our like small attempt to make sense of everything going on inside of Web3 and to help everyone find the most meaningful connections. Like for us at Kernel, uh, like one success metric is the the number of friends that you make after you enter into Kernel. And Kernel, like essentially, practically speaking, it's a fellowship. It's an eight week long fellowship. You enter as a either a developer or an investor, a mentor, a guide. You can be anyone. And we sort of help people uh, get in touch with other people so that there is like a win-win relationship that comes out of it. It also has, I mean, what I'm telling you about Kernel is like 1% of what it really is. It really just, um, uh, it, it comes out of the experience, most of it. So once you get into Kernel, you'll understand uh, exactly what's going on. I would say the most meaningful part of it for me, as well as for others that we try to bring in and in the fellowship is the kind of relationships that come out of it. Right. So kind of helping people build their networks on top of yeah. just just yeah. learning stuff, you know? Yeah. And also projects and adventures. We also have um, this concept of so the, the, the two concepts that always stood out for me. I was also actually a Colonel Fellow after uh, like after going through block one, I joined as a steward. So we, we have a concept of Yuntos or Convo. So this is like the smaller conversations that keep happening. Th that is like the heartbeat of Colonel. And then we also have a concept of adventures. So it's not like you start a project it's basically your own adventure for the eight weeks that you take on and um, it could be anything we just sort of help you uh, get through that adventure so it's really throughout. what you care about yeah uh, you know yeah. what you're interested in yeah yeah exactly. gotcha that's the easiest way to learn right if you're really interested in something I feel like you can really focus yeah. in on the top good hand 
Yeah, exactly. Your adventure can be anything. I mean, it could be your PhD thesis. <laughs> it could be really, literally anything. And we just sort of help you get through that. <laughs> do you have to prove, like you mentioned joining as like an investor or um, steward, do you have to like prove, is there like a layer of like verification before you like take on that role? No, none yet, really. There's there's no verification as of yet. There There's an application uh, sort of uh, application phase that happens before a block starts. So a block is an eight week long period during which the, the kernel fellowship happens. Before the block, there's an applications phase. So all of the, um, you know, potential fellows give us their applications. And in the application, we just sort of ask questions like, um, what is it that you want to get out of kernel? What is it that you've currently been building? Is there anything that, where, where does your focus lie? What doesn't, what interests you? So all of these things. And then we sort of just uh, go through the applications. We make sure that we get like a good amount of people with a good amount of diversity in the block. And yeah, that's how we go about it. So a block is really like a uh, unit sort of or like a conglomeration of these parties coming together yeah it is yeah it is like um, a block it can like a bunch of people uh basically a bunch of fellows a bunch of guides a bunch of mentors and their adventures and projects together make up a block and uh, like this is like where so so the, throughout those eight weeks we try to concentrate all of the energy in and after those eight weeks we also have so basically kernel is not like it starts and ends kernel is sort of a lifelong thing it's a it's a whole network but then the energy is concentrated in these eight week blocks throughout the year now if you were going to talk to Colonel about somebody to get them really hyped up. You're like, listen, you have to go check out Colonel. What's like a story, whether it be your own or somebody else's, that was just like really cool from going through this uh, fellowship. Um, okay, I'll have to think about it. But there are there is way too many things happening inside. I mean, if so... I would suggest to go through kernel if you are even I mean if you're trying to for uh, trying to find a path inside web3 and if you're interested not just on the um, you know application layer of it but if you're also interested in the ethics of web3 and what does it really what does decentralization really mean where did like where did the idea of decentralization come from and how important is um, you know, f- like, what does freedom in terms of programming mean? So, like, these these little concepts, so all of this might sound abstract, but then connecting these abstract concepts to your, you know, uh, practical granular level of uh, programming and sort of bringing it back to what does it really mean to build these meaningful applications is mm-hmm. when I would suggest someone to go through kernel. So on the topic of, you know, this all being very abstract, right? It's like freedom of programming. What does that really mean, right? So you you are a Web3 developer, a blockchain developer, and we have developers listening to us right now. And so everybody kind of is in this headspace of, you know, what it means to develop an application. So when you were starting out maybe in that headspace, then you moved into more learning about how things are structured in Web3. What does it mean to be a Web3 developer in your eyes? And like, how does that freedom of development tie into this? You know, because, you know, for, for me, you know, I deploy someone on AWS. So how how is this different? How's the freedom? 
<laughs> element coming in. Um, okay, so uh, you can think of it like. I mean, so if I were to talk in extremely practical sense, I mean, something that still surprises me is that in Web3, I could make a whole full-fledged application without the need of databases at all. So I could just use Ethereum as, you know, the storage layer. I could use IPFS as the, the, the light storage layer on top of it, something that I want to query. So let's say smaller things that I want to query and store, I could use IPFS for. I could use Fleek to deploy my entire application for free. And all of it is now decentralized. So basically there is no country or government or anything, any, no organization in the world that could stop this application from running. So this sort of experience and the possibility that you know that this is possible now is something that surprises me about web3 and this i'm i mean i'm really bad at philosophy and i'm really bad at connecting all of these abstracts this is why i personally need kernel but i'm just talking in like extremely practical sense that this is something you know i'm still uh, in awe of and i i think that you know, this is something really powerful. With everything going on in the world right now, I think we, if 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 we have a structure like this that can allow people to, you know, not be controlled or not be restricted by the geographical location that they're on, and even like they they can still, uh, you know, access information and access experiences that that doesn't restrict them in any shape or form is something that I feel is really powerful. When you said that everything and it could be deployed and no country or organization could take it down, my first thought when I hear that is like, have you seen anything get put up that is harmful that should be taken down? And are you ever concerned about that, or do you, do you come across people that you're just like, they're gonna they're gonna do something that's not up to no good or something? Uh, no, I don't think I'm okay. that. <laughs> no. <laughs> I really, I, I just, I, I'm just a curious being, honestly. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, I just like getting into new stuff. This is how I discovered blockchain. And this is how I, uh, it's not like I discovered, discovered. This is how I got into blockchain. And this is what, you know, excites me and intrigues me. Um, yeah, that that is who I am. I think it's not like I, um, it's not like I don't care about these bigger things. It's more like, uh, there is a certain niche that I'm most interested in, and this is where I try, you know, try to dig myself in as as far as I can go. So you really focus in on a niche. Like when you're done with Kernel, do you expect to go work for, you know, a company or with a group, or do you work for DAOs yeah. on the side? Like how does that pan out afterwards? Oh, actually, so uh, Kernel is not exactly my full time full time thing. I'm working with Bonfire as well. So Bonfire is a startup in creator economies. So it's it's like oh, so we are building tools for creators to help convert their audiences into economies. So what that really means is, um, let's say you're a musician and you you might wanna. I mean, let's say you might wanna uh, create your own page, your own. Um, so, so you are planning to launch your own album and now you need sort of a homepage where you can, you know, point your entire audience or your fan club to so that let's say they can buy your NFTs. And once they buy your NFT, what is it that they can do with that NFT? Now, let's say you want to create a merchandise store that is now token gated with that NFT. Only the people who have bought your NFT will be able to access those merch. So things like these. Now, all of this sounds extremely complicated because 
because it's at that stage we are on i mean to ha- to set everything like this up you might need an entire you know development team and effort to build that thing but what we are building at bonfire is sort of like a no code alternative to all of this you'll be able to drag and drop and create your own page and it's you can think of it like a combination of webflow and mirror um if you're aware of mirror it's like a it's it's a decentralized protocol for putting up your own blog or your own uh, pages so you can think of a combination of that you can drag and drop your entire album in it you can drag and drop your nft gallery on it and then now you have your own branded homepage where you can you know guide your uh, fan club to so this is also something that i that i'm helping build right now um yeah that's about it <laughs> so i'm a steward at kernel and the one tool that i'm building at kernel is called convo and then uh, apart from that i work with bonfire you said it was called convo convo like yes, conversation yes, gotcha yes okay. what does that specific <laughs> component kind of do what's its role uh, that that is like really cool that is a nice little story it has to it so at, when kernel started uh, there was a concept of yuntos or juntos i i'm still not able to pronounce it correctly but it's something like that so it's sort of like what we we expect all of these fellows to do and what we help initiate as well is like these smaller conversations inside the blog so uh, eight or so people come together to talk about something now on a you know uh, on a practical level it's like something super basic it's like an event happening somewhere but then when we started thinking about it more deeply and initially we just had the entire process manually people would fill up a form and just tell that this is the topic that they want to talk about so we would set up a meeting for them and they would come up and talk about talk about it to each other and everything but then eventually it started gaining gaining traction a lot of people wanted to talk about a lot of stuff which is something that i mean it's obvious <laughs> they might want to do it in <laughs> they, they might want to do it in a uh, in a community but then the challenge that we faced was that there were way too many products for individual event management something like calendly and um um cal.com so all of these were you know individual specific we were really finding it difficult to find um, we, we were finding it difficult to find something that was community specific so for a community to have a shared calendar as simple as that but we weren't able to find that and there was event bright and there is meetup but it's it's way too public we want something that feels very homely and you know it's it's sort of a place where you can just go and schedule an event uh, people with shared google workspace accounts are familiar with the interface because that is how you know you can see everyone's calendar at one place and then you can create a new event so this is what um, the idea was for convo we basically just wanted a shared calendar and now what we also want to do is make it more crypto native so when we talk about shared calendar so currently convo is like an app where you go and you propose a conversation that is it and then people can look at the conversation and they can rsvp so this is what the current version looks like and you can either edit it or you can you can post it anywhere what we really want to do with that next is basically remove the uh, requirement of email altogether right now we require an email to create an event and we require an email to rsvp what we really want to do is just make it a web3 login completely so with metamask and with uh logins like um the the web3 modal login and all of these have made it really easy for like for me as a developer to not 
you know, get in inside the mess of JWT tokens or the authentication services. All I have to do is add a support for, uh, you know, MetaMask, let's say. So that is what we are trying to focus on next. It's it, it's going to be really difficult because, you know, with email, it's really straightforward. You just give me your email, I'll create a new event in your Google Calendar. But with MetaMask, it's not, it's not, and, and I, I shouldn't say MetaMask, actually, with an Ethereum address or with a public key, it's very difficult because I don't know where to send the calendar invite to. So this is what we are trying to solve next. It's a, it's a very, very abstract problem, and it's a really long-term goal. But, you know, to have something like this, like a decentralized event management system and a decentralized RSVPing system, is something like I have been thinking about a lot, but um, but it's mostly in the design phase. But the end goal is really just to help communities and internet native communities to be able to have, you know, a shared calendar and a sort of a place where they can come together and talk about stuff. So that is like a small little project at Kernel that I'm working on. Well, I'm sure it'll do very big things if you know if it's able to orchestrate that sort of organization between people because yeah like the google calendar that simple feature of seeing other people's time slots like that is huge i mean it's very helpful yeah have you uh uh, have you and your team looked at using what's it called um epns it's like the ethereum push notification service uh for sending messages or like how would somebody with an ethereum address like know that there's a some calendar related business happening that they need to pay attention to. Exactly. Actually, the, uh, it's, it's nice that you mentioned APNS. They were a part of Kernel Blog Zero, and it was the same blog that I was also a part of. So oh, cool. <laughs> we are classmates. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, EPNS, yeah, exactly. So there are um, there are way too many interesting ways that we can make this happen. I mean, so so there is a there is a protocol that is currently being built called EPNS for notifications. Then we and we just need to build a protocol that is for events. So if we have like a layer, let's say it could be on IPFS, not exactly on Ethereum. So let's say it's on IPFS. We have sort of a standard way of storing events and retrieving events from the IPFS storage. That is all we need. We just need to create a structure. So if we have that, and if we have a service that is just checking about these events, the storage and retrieval of these events, and it's checking which event is coming up next. So now we have the data. We have a service that is taking care of what is coming up, what is in the past, what is in the future, and we have a notification service. We gotta tie these all together into one single, um, we, uh, with one service. Now I'm so this is where I keep getting stuck at. Now how do we decentralize that service? But I don't think it's it's entirely important to let's say decentralize that service. But um, well, anyway, so this is what it is. I mean, there's a service for notifications. There's a service for event management, there's a service for um, uh, taking care of when to send that notification. And then all we got to do is create an interface for users to do all of this stuff. The interface might be the same. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, there there are interesting things happening. And let's see where the space grows into. (laughs) So IPFS... um... That is separate from Ethereum, just to be clear. It's sort of like its own yeah. networks of nodes supporting the storage and retrieval of files as the kind of age in and out. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, it, it's and, completely and the whole, And why mm-hmm. would you use like IPFS specifically versus stuffing all that information in a in a block or, you know, in a transaction or something? I mean, I could do that if I had a lot of money lying around. <laughs> so it's, it's just expensive. I mean, that's the thing. So it's cheaper. Uh, yeah, it's, it's not exactly also it's cheaper. I mean, IPFS is built for data management. I'm not just data management. I mean, I would say it's built for the specific use case of, you know, uh, storing data and retrieving data. And then Ethereum has a specific use case of transactions. So I don't want to use transactions for storing my data. I mean, that wouldn't make sense. It has a specific use and IPFS has its own specific use. Similarly, RV is built for its own use. But all of them come from this, you know, main underlying um, notion of decentralization. So, and yeah, that that is how. So this really feels like what it's like to be a Web3 developer. It's taking these different like networks of you know decentralized protocols and compute structures that kind of exist and figuring out the best way to bring them together to make something cool happen yeah i mean at least in a startup scenario all i've ever i mean ever since i became ever since i graduated i've only worked with startups and only in web3 so this is actually what it feels like to be in a startup and in a web3 startup so uh, you know you're that there is a problem to solve, but then in Web three scenario, there is, there are so many uh, like there's no playbook that you can follow to solve a particular problem anymore because in Web three everything is new. So that is that is a part of what it feels like to be a Web three developer. And apart from that, um, since there is no playbook, I mean. You, you also have to learn a lot of new things every day because now you can't just follow anyone else. And then, I mean, it, 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 it's the, the information out there is not the best right now. The, the documentation yeah, isn't, no, I don't think so. It's not maintained. It like- I mean, if I were to learn React today or if, if, I were to, if I were to recommend someone to learn React today, I would just give them React's documentation because I know the developer community is great. The documentation is great. You know, people are going to help each other. It's, it's going to be fine. If there's a bug, it's going to be resolved pretty quickly. But then in Web3, I, I can't really do that. I mean, there are, I have my musician friends come up to me and ask about this creator economy because I'm working with Bonfire and everything, but all I can link them to is Cooper Turley's Twitter account. (laughs) There is no like good sources of information available as of yet either. So on any, on any, uh, for, for any kind of user for, for either for the developers or for the end users, this is what I feel, but it's getting better. It's getting a lot better since, since I came into this space, I think since uh, when I started, all I had, to read from worthy white papers but then now there are a lot of blogs uh, blogs and but, uh, but the thing about crypto is that there will be a lot of scammy places that you'll fall into so that is what you got to be aware of but apart from that i think it's getting better it's slowly getting better it's it's going to get better soon <laughs> yeah it feels frustrating because there's obviously amazing cool stuff that you and your team and others are working on um that's riddled mm-hmm. and polluted with so much bs out there you know that you can get trapped in yeah that is true i mean it is getting better yeah for a simple super simple thing like i mean i we had to develop this authentication service 
using Web3 login at Bonfire. And there were like three libraries I implemented and throw away, threw away just because it had a lot of issues. There was some bug somewhere that the developer, you know, just sort of, you know, they were just dumping it down. And it, it just, there were these so many problems that we fell into to implement a, such a simple thing. And while we were implementing, a new standard was being proposed for signing messages, which was to contribute to authentication via Web3. So that is how <laughs> crazy fast the development is. And that is how, uh, like, you know, getting your information looks like as a developer. You you just have to be always aware what standards are coming out and like uh, how, what new libraries to experiment with because there will be so many new ones coming up every day. It sounds like a lot of responsibility as a developer because, you know, <laughs> yeah. an, another thing is once something's on the blockchain, it's much more difficult to, uh, you know, put up a new version. You know, Ethereum has... You know what? What can you? I know you can like swap out a contract and say, you know, that one's no longer. I'm putting on this new one, like grafting on a new contract yeah. or something. But but yeah. but but even so, that costs money, right? You have to pay gas to do that, and it's not so simple to redeploy to prod so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, that's that's a part of the problem that you just mentioned. Those are the proxy contracts. I mean, you, your entire application is built to support one contract that, that ends up being a proxy. And then one day the developer just deploys a new one over there. And what now? What are you querying now? So that is one problem. The other problem is with just a simple storage sort of thing. I mean, um, let's say you want to store all of the tokens in in your database so what are the fields that you will come up with because ERC20s, 721s, and 1155s are so different with each other. And 1155 being like uh, being like completely different from all of these other kinds of tokens, it basically defies all rules. So what is the kind of... Sorry, I just want to in interject and say, so those numbers, those things you just mentioned, those are basically tokens for people yeah, who are yeah. familiar with it. Those are like specifications. That's an ERC20 <laughs> token is the most common type. I just wanted to yeah. like throw that in there in case... Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, those are those are all types of tokens on the Ethereum blockchain. And when I say ERC and a number after it, this is actually the standard that introduced that particular token. So ERC20. Like yeah, exactly. So Ethereum standard. So the ERC20 standard had like a bunch of functions that should be there in the fungible in the fungible kind of token. So that is what we end up ended up calling it, ERC20s. ERC721s have a new name now, which is NFTs. And then ERC1155s are like a really new ones, which are sort of a combination of both, which basically has decided to defy all rules. So now it becomes very difficult for, um, you know, for, uh, for, for an application that doesn't want to run its own Ethereum node, but also wants to store all of this data, but can't, but, you know, setting up a graph node is sort of an overkill for their application. So it becomes very difficult. So, I mean, that's, that's the, uh, uh, that's how early we are in the stage because the problems like these are what we are solving on the application level but also thinking about how uh, culturally it will make a difference how big of an impact crypto can make and how how it ties to freedom and how it ties to all of these other things so that that is how uh, like that those are the kinds of problems that not problems i would say these are the areas that at least my headspace is in inside mm -hmm. of Web3. <laughs> There's a lot going on in there. 
(laughs) inside your head. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) insane. So when you also, I just wanted to ask: when you say uh, a graph node, do you mean like running an indexer for the graph and putting your own subgraph on there? Yeah, 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 exactly. Gotcha. Yeah. So either you can have your own Ethereum node and you can just query anything out of it, or you can have a graph node, which basically makes gives you a lot of sanity and um, helps you in you know query query uh, blockchain in a way that makes sense for you and your application. Mm-hmm. Directly from the blockchain, just is is a lot of data out there. So right, and the graph also kind of gives your application the opportunity to start out. You know, but then other people can start to index it too, and it's truly decentralized. It's not like your yeah, team has yeah. to run the archive node forever. Exactly, it's it's actually incredible what they have done. But then, um, they, they can query it. But then, you know, to to set up your own subgraph on there, I just think that for smaller applications like the really small ones, it can get a little overkill to. Mm-hmm. To do all of that, I mean, it's easier to just you know query and store in your own database. But then, yeah, it's it's actually a design, uh, design question. I would say, to it's what not- exactly to choose from. Yeah, there's an option. Hmm. One of those Web three architecture design problems. Wow, that's a thing. Yeah. Web three architecture. That's so cool. Yeah, <laughs> we are living in the future slowly. <laughs> yeah, I, that kind of covers the questions I wanted to ask. I was very interested in, you know, learning about how you think about Web3 and, you know, what Kernel kind of did for you as a developer and stuff. So it was really cool to, yeah, to hear about your decisions and the sort of like think, ways you think about the stack, uh, specifically for the Convo app- application. So if somebody wanted to check that out, just to kind of wrap that up, could would I if I Google Convo, would I find it? Convo Web3? You can think of it like, you know, a home-cooked meal. <laughs> this is what we made for Kernel. And I, I actually read a blog post, which the title was uh, that programming is more like a home-cooked meal. So that is what eventually, uh, that that is how I started making sense of what Convo really is. It is sort of something that we made internally to, you know, help solve the issues that just we were facing. It is sort of a situational software that came out of our situation. But, uh, but now what I am personally thinking about Convo is what I shared. So how to make it more decentralized? Because we have seen... Um, I mean, internally, we have talked a lot about this. And internally, all of us believe that, you know, a login via Web3 would make more sense. But then how exactly do we, you know, come full circle with it? Eventually, we would need your email to send you a calendar invite. But if we want to remove that as well, we really need a service that can create those calendar events in a more decentralized fashion. So... Yeah, this is something I'm I'm still thinking about a lot. But other than that, if you want to check out our home-cooked meal, this is where you go to. <laughs> awesome. So, yeah, it looks like combo.kernel.community. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Kernel with an E-L. Yes. I, I just, you know, <laughs> make sure to put that point there. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, is there anything else that you would like to plug or have our listeners go check out, Angela? Um. Yeah, that's about it. I think, yeah, check out Kernel if you're just... You're wondering about Web3 and you're 
thinking of where to find good sort of set of resources or if you're thinking of a project and you really need a community to build with i would suggest checking out kernel it's kernel with an el dot community and um if you are interested in creator economies <laughs> or if you're a creator yourself i would suggest checking out bonfire that is tribonfire.xyz so yeah that's about it awesome yeah we'll include those uh, in the show notes as well thank you so much angel it's been great and we'll see you around thank you it was uh, thank you for having me Thanks for listening to Pod Rocket. You can find us at Pod Rocket Pod on Twitter, and don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks.